Welcome to the Eagles Nest Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this recent message by Senior Pastor Tim Winter. You can open your Bible to John chapter 7, follow along with me, and we'll, we'll begin. This morning I want to uh, make an announcement in the beginning. Well, last week, first of all, Mitch, thank you for, if he's downstairs, I don't know where they are. Oh, there he is. Thank you for ministering the word. Weren't you blessed with the with the, the ministry that God gave to him about the grace of God, Titus 2.11, the grace of God that, appe- that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us denying ungodliness and worldly lusts. We should uh, present ourselves to the Lord who makes us ready for good work. So thank you, Mitch. Appreciate that. And we sh- shared communion together. I envision a church growing, getting really comfortable with the Lord's presence and sharing that beautiful presence with others. That's the theme of this year, 2020, having the vision that God wants us to have before us, and that vision is a good vision. The subtitle for this this month, as I had mentioned in January, or excuse me, February, was, uh, as we're learning mercy, it would be gladness. And in March, when the calendar kind of switches toward collegiate basketball, and uh, that's a fun time, but uh, I want to direct your attention toward the gladness of the Lord. And so I'd like to say this is a March gladness beginning message for the next four I want to share with you in the class of mercy. We're learning mercy. In understanding vision, coming out of Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 18, the scripture tells us through Solomon, where there's no vision, the people perish, but he that keeps the law, happy is he. And so there's a reward for envisioning, number one, and then following and doing the will of God, number two. So I want to envision your, uh, have you envision yourself? I'm envisioning myself becoming uh, more surrendered to the Lord, and that's a good, good vision to have before you. We talked about the grace of God. We're saved by His grace, and that is activated by faith. And in this simple believing, uh, there's an empowering. In fact, let's read this together in John chapter 1, or follow along. It's very important that we get these principles just rooted in our heart and our mind and in our spirit so that we're grounded and unwavering in the things of God, especially in this last day. In the beginning, John 1, 1, was the Word of God, it it was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shined in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Down to verse 11, keeping in the same theme of John writing about Jesus' preexistence and who he was, who John learned him to be. This word came into his own, and his own received him not, but as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And the word was made flesh, verse 14, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. For the law and of his fullness have we all received, verse 16, Grace for grace, or grace upon grace, or grace layered upon layers of grace. Verse 17, and I'll stop in John 1 here. For the law was given by Moses, 
But grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Uh, the entrance into the kingdom comes through simple faith, through calling on the name of the Lord. And that's not done because I, I heard you do it. That's done because you did it. You can do it alone. You can do it in your thoughts. I think you could do it in a comatose state. Uh, I, I don't know how this all works, but if you put all of the scripture together, it, it appears that even a, a babe in utero can, can lean toward the Lord, look toward the Lord, and God will honor that. So to the, uh, that, that'll hopefully uh, set some people free and let them come to the Lord. But believing is the beginning Nathan, will you just back up once to uh, number five, please? I just want to point this out. Believing is the beginning of a brand new lifestyle, but this new lifestyle uh, doesn't stop with believing. Believing is the beginning of empowerment. Verse 12, as many as received him, that's through faith, to them God, through his son Jesus, gives power to those that believe on his name. Will you say he gives me power? And I, when I believe, as I believe, and as I continue to believe. So say this, I'm growing stronger in the Lord. And the power, Ephesians 6.10, of His might. That's where we're going. That's, that's what we need to... Okay, so believing begins empowering. Empowering begins establishing. When I begin to get the Holy Spirit in my life and power in my life, I begin to get established. There's some things in my life where you can push, you can tempt, but devil, you've been defeated and you got nothing in me. Now that's being established. That's where Jesus wants to take us. And I want to take you there. And if you're going to go there, you don't fall into that way. You don't stumble into that way. You have to make a decision to go that way, and you can't even make the decision until God aligns the tumblers of your thinking lock and unlocks it. Then you get an opportunity. Jesus said, no man can come to the Father but by me. And so this doesn't happen because, you know, I'll get saved one day on my deathbed. Until then, I'm going to screw around and have fun and live, live, live life up. That's not how it works, brother. No, you, believing is the beginning of empowerment. Empowerment is the beginning of establishing or establishment, and then establishment is where God can kind of just sit back in his easy chair in his throne and say, I'm ready. Now that Tim's believed and he's been uh, empowered and he's being established, I'm ready for the increasing in fruitfulness. Just because you planted an acorn, don't start calling up lumber yards and say, will you buy my, will you buy my red oak lumber? You know, they're going to laugh at you. <laughs> Or, you know, you, you buy, you, you, welcome to Oak Wilt, the bull weevil, Eli Whitney and the cotton gin. It destroy the whole crop. You, there's things we have to manage in life and learn. So after one is established, when a church is established, uh, it begins increasing. It's funny to watch a new church plant. So I got a vision from God. I'm going to preach. Let's, let's start a work. And oh, everyone runs there. I want to be the, I want to be the, I want to be the, I want to be the. I want to be the finance guy. I want to be the worship leader. I want to be, I want to be, I want to be. But there's no establishing in it. Now, if you want to be, that's a good thing, because I, I found this in 1 Timothy 3, 1. If a man desire 
the office of a bishop, he desires a good thing. So desire, I have recognized and come to know, is the seed of the call. But dear brother or sister, it's only the seed. <laughs> Don't. You got you to gotta work with the, the nature of the seed. And so God's in this for the long haul. I envision myself, I need to live 130, 140. People used to laugh at me. I'm thinking, well, my goodness, they haven't read the Bible. Reading CNN and stopping at fast food for breakfast and fast food for lunch and fat food for, for dinner. And I'm telling you what, you're short. Hmm. So empowerment brings establishment. Establishment brings increase. John Osteen said this uh, before he, he passed away. I remember listening to this great man of God. You know, second, third, established, second, third, fourth generation kids in the ministry are, you know, they're growing up at Thanksgiving. I had Judah here last week. Everyone was gone. He's still here. Grabs a microphone. It wasn't on. He didn't care. (laughs) Hallelujah. And he'd give it to his little sister. Hallelujah. And, you know, just a good preacher. Don't give him the mic. Just point it at him so you still have direction. (laughs) I didn't use the word control. I said direction. But anyway, then I said uh, this past week when I was with Judah, we're praying and um, one of the mornings I was with him, and I said, Judah, I know we're working on a program for Easter Sunday. I can't wait to hear you guys sing. We sing hallelujah. Perfect pitch. God's granted him. It's a gift. It means that someone says, you, you can match the pitch. You ever be in a congregation? You're sitting next to someone that just loves God, but they don't have perfect pitch. They don't have relative pitch either. In fact, they don't have pitch. They're flatline. You know. So we'll, we'll leave that alone. But anyways, Judas said this. He said, I'm talking about generations establishing in the kingdom, being established in the kingdom. Judah, I said, Judah, you're going to sing on Resurrection Sunday. It's going to be so fun. And he, he went through the choruses. He's going to sing. Then he said, but Grandpa, this is a true statement. But Grandpa, I want to preach. Wow. I said, I like that in a pilot. Come on. Man, oh, man, that's what I'm here for. So they're not out, you know, you put this in front of people, and so you have to envision it. He already envisions himself like his daddy last week, or like his grandpa, like his great-grandpa. My, my dad used to preach here. I used to require it of our leaders, and I realized, well, they need to be apt to teach, but my dad's better at other things. I'm so glad he's here doing the other things. But I'll never forget, he was standing up here, he taught him the four pillars of a man's heart. I still remember that. Dad is awesome. Thank you. So we want to be able to communicate these, these graces. Now... What in, in February, we learned the importance of mercy. And uh, just, just to gloss over this, I think i got about 20 minutes. In fact, would you guys come up here? I'm going to need a good, like, well, I, I think in some of the older songs, but like the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Something like that. Lamentations 3 or something for the, for the end. Yeah, I got that. I'm feeling it, too. It's still alive, isn't it, Kathy? And when you grow older, I can't believe what my sons have done to me. They've done to me a great disservice. They've made me feel old by making me a grandpa five times now. (laughs) I still feel young. Oh, my. Keep keep us, Lord. So Jesus said in Matthew 9, we'll just go over these real quick, Nathan. Matthew 9, click down to number 7. And uh, we're going to land right where I want to take off. We're we're filling the plane here. Jesus was talking to the leaders that had some issues with his lifestyle of of grace, free grace, grace upon grace. The law came. He came to his own. They didn't even see him. 
You can't see Jesus unless he opens your eyes. A good prayer for, for you. I make it every morning. Lord, will you open my eyes that I can see you today? I've been seeing him in the most uh, intrusive places. I, like people. I went, that person. And all of a sudden, I see a little God sparkle in there. I said, my, my, they're made in the same image of God like I am. <laughs> so that's a good thing. God wants us to go learn mercy. So we're learning mercy. Then in Matthew 12, next, we, we learned the same little principle. Next slide. Hit the... Okay, there it is. I will have mercy. So when you go out to eat with the Lord, he sits down, he looks at the menu, he puts it down, he says, I'll have mercy. So when you're with people and God's with you, you already know what he's ordering. He's ordering mercy. That's, that's really good preaching, I thought. That stuff came to me. I didn't get that off the internet. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Okay, now, now I want to do something. I want to, I told you in February 23rd, I was going to share a revelation with you and now I'm going to proceed to do that. In John chapter 7, where I asked you to turn, and uh, Jesus was in the tail end of the first third of his ministry. He'd done some notable things and was getting recognition, but he was also getting opposition. I found that out when you walk in the ways of the Lord, uh, you, you can begin to be persecuted. And I think probably people mean well, but they're not doing right. And so I want to talk about gladness, and I want to talk about the basis for gladness, and it comes out of putting this John 7 story alongside of another story that I'll get to in a minute. But in John chapter 7, Jesus was in the Feast of Tabernacles, which is in the fall. Did I have September up there? Yeah. And like you and like me, he wanted to be appreciated. You know, he had a right to breathe oxygen and drink God's water and have friends and family and all of that. Some of the people were challenging that. And they were saying that... You're just doing what you do to get your own recognition. And then uh, Jesus said in, in John chapter 7, verse 18, He that speaks of himself seeks his own glory, but he that seeks his glory that sent him, the same is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. Well, and he goes on to say in verse 21 of this, this conversation, at the Feast of Tabernacles, he would have been in the Temple Mount. Uh, Jesus answered and said to them, I've done one work, and you all marvel." Moses, therefore, gave unto you circumcision, not because it is of Moses, but of the Father, and you on the Sabbath day circumcise a man. So he, he said in John 7, 21, I've done one work, and you're all marveling at it. In other words, you're taking issue because I did a miracle. The miracle Jesus is referring to is back in John chapter 5, where Jesus healed the paralytic or the impotent man who was at the pool of Bethesda, where Mike preached. Maybe just see your hand if you've been there once, twice, a couple times. Isn't that awesome just to go to Israel? Mike was preaching over the five pools of water. They're still there. And you remember the story? Everyone laid there, the sick, the impotent, hoping that the angel would come and stir the water and they'd, they'd get a miracle by whoever got in first. Jesus raised that man and uh, said, pick up your bed. And he, he walked away and they took issue at it. And Jesus said, why are you taking issue? Um, I'm not here to glorify myself. I'm here to glorify the Father. Okay. Now, 
Here's the point that I want to make out of this, and I don't believe it's extrapolating or destroying the context. I think that Jesus as the Son of God is revealing something here that I want to show to you that ties in with another story and show you how important what you say is. Jesus is saying, he that speaks of himself seeks his own glory. He's He's God, and he's letting us know at that point he's not there to glorify himself. He's there to glorify God. But let's just kind of extrapolate for a moment that sentence, kind of like reporters do. They hear whatever, I mean, they hear whatever, they write, and it gets in the, in the news. I thought, well, we didn't say that about the land, did we? Well, they heard it, they wrote it, so there it is. So you could say that if a person is self-dealing or speaking of themselves, they want to be noticed. They want to be aggrandized. They want to be made great. Or to maybe they've got something to say that is worth being made great. Now, tell, me, tell me again, how, how did you win the Super Bowl? Most of the coaches teach. Now, when you get interviewed, it's, there's no me in team. It's we. You didn't do it alone, but every once in a while, you remember Desmond Howard in 1996, even Bill Parcells, how did you lose the Super Bowl, the great New York Giants to the Green Bay Packers? I'll never forget. Desmond Howard, <laughs> he picked up that, to pick up that kickoff and ran through the whole team and scored and just took the air out of us. So there's times when then people, yeah, well, let me tell you how, how it went. And you describe all of your own talk. And it reminds me of this other little story. It's a true thing. Someone... Someone got together, they're business friends, and he was doing really well, and met him in the airport, and he said, oh, you know, did, you, did you see I'm, my company's in Fortune 500, I'm doing really well. Did you see my employees at free health care? I'm really, really, really doing great with my employees. And oh, yeah, my wife, too, she made Cosmopolitan cover the magazine. We're just really, really doing good. But, well, that's enough talk about me. Uh, now, why don't you tell me what you think of me? <laughs> Some people are just so self, uh, self-centered, that the, and Jesus is giving us a key here. When you're speaking of yourself, you're seeking your own glory. Come to the Thrive Meeting and learn how to get in the culture of honor and start honoring somebody else. And then when you begin to plant the seed of honor, give it a lifetime to grow, and then all of a sudden you'll be living in a forest of honor. Hey. So let's move beyond my little... Uh, primer point of John 7. Now let's go to another uh, location. I'd like to now, with that principle in mind, speaking of yourself seeks your own glory. Let's uh, take the next 15 minutes to come to a very familiar story. I'd like to read in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 5, the second commandment or the second word spoken. Uh, The Lord calls Moses, boy, I could uh, talk forever on this and uh, perhaps one should and at least you want to memorize the Ten Commandments. They're great uh, principles to live your life by, and God will honor every one of them. First one is, uh, you know, thou, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. And second one, thou shalt have no other gods before me. You shall not make unto you any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down yourself to them nor serve them. Now, here's another statement within the principle of the second commandment or the second word that God declared. 
You shall not bow down yourself unto them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers unto the, upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. So this is the second of the ten words spoken as commandments and directives for people to live by. They were given, spoken to Moses, and Moses was in turn to present them to the people, and the people in turn were to be stewards of them for all mankind. Remember, now Moses is about, uh, you know, let's just say, Eighteen hundred, two thousand years before Christ. That's give or take. I mean, don't call me on the dates. But Abraham was sixteen or eighteen hundred years before Christ. So six hundred years prior, Abraham hears the call from God to come out from his family, and the the, the fivefold blessing, or almost six in Genesis twelve. God said, "Get get thee out of thy father's house, and I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you, Abraham. I will bless them." that bless you, I will make your name great, and uh, in you all the families of the earth will be blessed, and this blessing will move through to your children, your children's children, and you'll fill up the earth. So all, say all nations are called into this mercy. Now God reserved the right to do it through his workmanship or his people. So there will have to be people like Moses or like Tim or like Clark or like Kathy or like uh, Mike and da- my dad and and, uh, and Mike, people that know mercy or you're learning mercy so that you can communicate mercy because God loves mercy. We said that last week. He has shown the old man what is good and what, what is acceptable unto you, but to do justly and to love mercy. and to walk humbly with God. So we're in mercy class, and I've found that mercy can make you glad. I'll talk about that next week. But here's the basis. So Moses is in mercy class. He goes up and he, he gets the second commandment. And then the Lord, the Lord says, uh, don't, don't serve them. For I, the Lord, don't serve any other images or likenesses or deities beside me. Verse 5, don't even bow down to them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity I want to point out that God is a jealous God. What that means is um, that God is jealous. I'll say this. I'm jealous over my wife. I don't mind you talking to her and enjoying her quiche and telling her how good it is. And I don't mind a friendly, holy kiss. But that's where it stops. No, I'm serious. I mean, you go into different cultures. Parlez du français? You know, they give it a little. I don't even know if they touch. It's It's just a greeting. You know, all of that. I'm, I'm okay with that. Some people are huggers. I'm not really a hugger, but I'm okay with huggers. <laughs> and kissers. I'm serious. So I know people, and they're men. It's not an unholy thing. It's a gesture, okay? So you know what I'm saying. God gestures with jealousy toward his people. In this scripture, I, I want to share with you this revelation that's coming. I'm beginning to set this up. Because God is up there with Moses. Where is he? Next, next. Where is he? This is where he is. I've been there. That's Jebel Musa, the Mount of Moses in the Sinai Peninsula. Um, 
God is up there. God calls Moses up there. He's speaking. There's a fire burning. Everyone's afraid. Stay away and don't even have intimate relations with your wife for three days. And keep your, keep your, keep your folk. Can you keep your focus for three, count them, three days? Yeah. And God said, you'll be rewarded if you do. So he gets these 10 words. And you remember the story. Moses is up there 40 days and, and he's hearing something and, and God sends him, summons him back down uh, because there's a noise of revelry in the camp. Now remember, Moses hears eight other commands, but he, and he's sent back down the mount. And in the process of time, God, cre- God writes t- the ten words on the tablets of stone. And Moses is heading down and, and meets Joshua probably a third of the way down, probably in Elisha's valley there where you can go up that way. There's two ways up Mount Sinai. And as he's going down, he, he's, he, Joshua says, well, they, they must be at war. And Moses kind of got the, the nod from God. You need to go down there and get with those people and help them and, and take care of that. And he says, it's not the noise of war. It's the noise of revelry. Well, you know the story. They're dancing. They turned gold from Egypt that was supposed to go into the tabernacle and financing the kingdom. They turned it into a golden calf. And Moses, in vengeful anger, throws down the tablets at the base of the mountain and breaks Breaks all Ten Commandments in one sin. How about that? Now, that's a pretty good manly record. He broke all ten at once. I talked to him sometimes, you know, do you think that's wrong? I don't think it's wrong. Okay. You know, people are all at different levels of understanding about right and wrong. So uh, Moses uh, goes down there, and he's angry at his brother, and his brother allowed it. To, he didn't start it, but he certainly didn't stop it, and he helped them do it. And Moses begins to have a great deal of trouble with the people that he's called to lead to the wil- through the wilderness to the promised land. And uh, first of all, it's, uh, you know, they didn't like his wife, his second wife, you know, come on, what's the, how many are you going to need? One life, one wife, but I don't know, you know, she's the, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And so he marries a black lady, and, and his older sister has a problem with that. And God dealt with the, then Aaron kind of jumped in with Miriam. And so Moses, the family problems or the people problems start right at home. And God said, we're going to deal with this right now. You three, come on out. I'll show you. I'll show you. And you remember the story. All of a sudden, Miriam says, I was here first. I saw you in the basket on the river. And I'll tell you what, you're not the only one that God speaks to. And as she's speaking, these boils of leprosy start breaking out on her forehead. And Aaron backs off. If I were you, I'd be quiet just about right now. And then God had to bring Moses to intercede and bring that healing to her. So, and then, okay, finally, I learned how to work with people. No, that was just your brother and sister. Because now your cousins, now your cousins, Nadab and Abihu, uh, they're going to challenge you. And, uh, and, and, and they're going to not do exactly what I told you to do. They're going to mix the sound so hard, it's driving out the old people, and they grab the cart, and, you know, they, they grab the cart, and we'll show you how to do sensors, and poof! They put fire on the coals, and the coals burn them and kill them right there. It's a flash fire. It wasn't some angel. It was their own stupidity. They didn't do what they were told. And God stepped right in. Now, Moses, don't you side with Aaron, because they disobeyed. So the heavy stuff is coming down. This heavy stuff. And, and Moses is like, God. And God's like, me? That was, that was number, number one and number two. Love God. And don't, don't do it your way. And so, you know, we got some disconnects here, Moses. And then it goes, goes farther out on the people, and you remember the story. So Moses is having some people pr- troubles. Every minister has people troubles. 
So God summons Moses back up the mount. Let's, let's go to the next one. So he's a... Uh, that's St. Catherine's Monastery. That's the Guardian of the Mount. I stayed there in 1978. The door is over here. It's, it's about four foot tall, and it's all enclosed in those uh, three, four foot masonry walls. Out of, you, know, you, you think they got enough stone out there? When they said stone somebody, it's not like, well, how do I do that? Just reach down and start throwing. There's stones everywhere. So they build that wall, and the, that was to keep the secure the compound secure so that at least a horse couldn't charge in through the door because you'd get decapitated. So at least if they come in, we can pick them off because they're going to have to come in one by one like this. So it's a cool, cool place. That Some of the oldest uh, manuscripts on the earth are there. I've got to see them through. It's amazing. And uh, God set the course for my life, majoring in Old Testament history and Old Testament studies in Hebrew. I just love this stuff. There's so much value and meaning in it. So here's the, here's the custodian to the mount where it said that, and in fact, inside that enclave is, a, is the burning bush. Oh, I don't believe that. Well, I wonder what else you don't believe. You believe a, a son of God could walk on the water? You believe a withered hand could be raised up? You think if God showed himself in a bush, that bush might kind of get the, get the, like, Desiree just kind of dance it all around? And is she ever going to put her shoes on or stop dancing? I hope not. My goodness. Someone needs to get that fire in them. So the, Moses is summoned back up the mount, and he's down here where they're having their, their revelry and their Super Bowl party and the, the Mardi Gras and the whole thing. And, and, you know, so he goes back up, and God said, oh, by the way, this time you make ten, ten tablets. You make the stones. And you broke them, you make them. So he goes back up, and, and Moses said, God, you know, it's me and, me and these people you gave me. I'm really... If you, sometimes I don't even like to go to pastors' meetings. In fact, I, you know, just, just, they're all over the place. Will you come? Yeah. And it goes around the table. I'll tell you what about Joe so and so, and I'll tell you what about Mary. I'm telling you, just don't. I'm thinking, you know, I learned a long time ago. If you want to be in the ministry, you better get used to that. <laughs> There's no ministry without people. This isn't memorize the Bible and see who gets the most points for verses. This is getting people out of Egypt through the wilderness into the promised land. And there's only one way to do it, mercy. So Moses goes back up, and he, he climbs back up. Let's go back up to the top. Here he is at the top. I was up there. That's looking toward, toward the east. Behind him down the, the, would be St. Catherine's Monastery. It's a long climb, and uh, it's worth it. So Moses is, is up there, and he's coming back up, and he said, God, this people problem that, that we have is <laughs> really a Moses problem, but God says to Moses, um, okay, Moses says to God, Lord, you see, you bring me up this people, 3312, let me give you the backstory. Get out of my little ad living here. And you've not let me know when you will send me. You've got to come with me. You've said, I know you by name, and you have... I have found grace in your sight. Now I pray that if I found grace in your sight, show me your way that I may know you and I might find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. In other words, are these really, is this what I'm, this, these are my people? And, 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 and he wants to know with God. And then the Lord says unto him, uh, or he says to God, 
if, if your presence doesn't go with me, I'm not going any farther. And God says, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Verse 16, how will I know that uh, the people have found grace in my sight? In other words, you're going to keep my family, keep my cousins, keep all the rest of them in line? Are we going to make it? Or are they going to keep complaining? And he said, if I will, Moses said, if you don't come, I'm not going, which is a decent prayer. But I want to point out, he's alone with the Lord. Don't you just have the best songs and sermons when you're all by yourself in the Bible? Oh, I'm going to get up and I'm going to preach it. And then you get out there and see the boss. Oh, you're a little late today, huh? All of a sudden, that anointing goes all away. (laughs) And that's kind of what's happening with Moses. He's up there with the Lord. And then Moses launches out with this godly uh, kind of a prayerful complaint request. That's another thing when you get to prayer meetings and pastor's meetings. They're complaining about their people and... I thought, well, we, God just blessed us with some land and blessed us with some willing-minded people. <laughs> you got two services? Well, we used to. We planted two churches, and now we're back to one. I enjoy seeing everybody. I'm, just, I'm, 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 I'm really enjoying life. <laughs> you know, I don't make that pastor's meeting anymore. So uh, Moses has this complaint request prayer. And he says, Lord, if you're not going with me, I'm not going any farther. And if you're going to call me up and and redo this thing, I need to see your glory. I want to see your glory, and I want to see you face to face. And then the Lord says to Moses, behold, there is a place by me. You've said something very hard, Moses, because no man can see my face and live. But there, say, but there is a place. But there is a place by me in the cleft of the rock. I will put you there, and I'll let you see my backside. Okay, and so here's the backstory of this. So he's up there. I'm up there, and, you know, my friend, my new friend, Alex Uspay, was up there. I met someone that's been up there. We could talk about being on Sinai. I've heard people, oh, that's not real. I'm thinking, you know, is the Bible real? Can God wash away sins? If he would speak on a mountain and, and it would be burning with fire, don't you think the stones would get charcoal? And they are? While well, someone went around with shoe polish and oh. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, for your signs and wonders. So Moses is up there and he wants to see his glory. There's a place by me and you shall stand upon a rock, verse 22, Exodus 33. And it shall come to pass while my glory passes by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and I'll cover you with my hand. And while I pass by and I'll take away my hand, you'll see my back parts for no man can see my face and live. So God's about to do something for Moses on a one-to-one basis. But remember, the reason he's up there is because he's having trouble with the people. Family, relatives, the whole community. So Exodus 34 brings us to uh, what God says him about himself. So uh, Moses, God has a conversation, and here's the day that it's going to happen. Moses, I want you to hew two tables of stone out like the first, and write upon these tables the words that were in the first tables, and I will write upon them, which you broke. God knows when you break commandments. <laughs> He's reminding, you need me, Moses, <laughs> which you broke. And be ready in the morning. Thank God for our morning times with the Lord or whenever your, your scheduled time is. And come up in the morning unto Mount Sinai and present yourself there to me in the top of the mount right here. And no man shall come up with you. This is you and me, Moses. Neither let any man be seen throughout all. Neither let the flocks nor herds nor the mount. And he hewed, Moses hewed the two tables of stone and rose up early in the morning and went up into Mount Sinai as the Lord commanded him and took in his hand the two tables of stone. 
And here's where where I want to go. This is a familiar passage, but I want to point something out that I've never seen until I was just kind of hanging out with the Lord in prayer in in this mercy. I said, Lord, I I need it more. He said, yeah, you really do. Because people want mercy. And when you grant them what they want, they're going to come back. So the Lord descends, verse 34, chapter 34, verse 5, the Lord descends in a cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed. Now, the Lord descends in a cloud. Yahweh descends in his glory of, of moisture droplets and thick, cloudy presence and stood with Moses and proclaimed. Uh, he loudly lauded about himself. And proclaim there the name of the Lord, verse 6. And the Lord passed. So Moses is there and he's hearing, hearing the voice come. The Lord, Yahweh, Yahweh Elohim. And the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. Verse 7. Keeping mercy for thousands. Next slide. Uh, keeping mercy for thousands. Thousands and forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means be cleared, visiting the iniquity of the fathers unto the children upon the children's children unto the third and fourth generation. And Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worship. Now, I want to point out right here in verse 7, there's three mentions of the four words for sin. Three are found here. And God himself is proclaiming these. In the first giving of the second commandment, in Exodus 20, God only said forgiving sin and iniquity. And God is expanding the definition here for Moses. God himself, not Tim, not Billy Graham, not the Baptists or the Pentecostals. Yahweh is speaking out of his heart to Moses' heart who's having trouble with people. He said, God, if you don't go with me, I'm not going. I'll go with you. And this is what I will show you about myself. Now, I'm going to uh, take a few this month and, and explain this and show you how this can make you glad. Uh, Exodus 34, verse 6. And, you know, I'm not speaking of myself. I'm speaking what the Lord shared. But if you look in your Bible, if you have a good one, it's got italics for guilty. Then it's got some more italics. Those are transliteration connectors. Because Hebrew is a, uh, is a phonetic, a picture language. And so, you know, for to, to when the King James was written in 1611 for the king, it was written for the king, so he would have a contribution for his generation of, I did, I did my stuff. I gave to, I gave to the Breast Cancer Foundation. I, I, I brought Tyndall and, and Wycliffe together, and we presented a Bible. So keep in mind, God didn't speak in holy, thou this, that, that. He's speaking in Hebrew to Moses. And the guttural, here, this is it, verse 6. And Yahweh... Abar passed by, Panim, that means his face passed by, and Karak, 
proclaimed, loudly declaring this, this message. Yahweh, Yahweh Elohim, Rachum, Chachnun, Arek, Af, Rab, Abundance, and Chesed, and Emet is truth. God is declaring who he is to Moses. This is the answer that Moses is looking for. That's how I am, Moses, up here. And that's how you need to be down there. Forgiving sin, iniquity, transgression. Why? Because I'm long-suffering. I'll develop that. I started that last year, and the Lord's guided me to come back to this because you and I must own this. We must own the gospel message of Jesus Christ. He said, go learn mercy. We're learning mercy. Mercy extends to sin, to transgression, to every infraction of the law, every breaking of the covenant, except Jesus qualified if you sin against the Holy Spirit and blaspheme him. That means that I don't, won't even accept that there is a God because the Holy Spirit is the presence of God in the earth. Jesus is on the throne of the right hand of the Father and the Holy Spirit, who is God, is everywhere. If someone won't recognize him, then they're forsaking the very mercy that God provides. And so let me get practical with this. Now let me tie this statement. God descends in a cloud. God proclaims his own name. Who's proclaiming God's name? Who's proclaiming God's name? Now let me ask you a question. Please stay with me. Is God talking about himself? I'm not going on until everyone gets an answer. Is God on the top of this mountain talking about himself? Is God talking about himself? Yahweh, Yahweh Elohim. Yes. Did Jesus say, he that speaks of himself seeks his own glory? 3,000 years later. Yes or no? So let's bring God the Son to, with God the Father. When God is speaking of himself, what is his goal? What is his goal? To, to say it. Bringing glory to himself. And what does he, does he, well, I'll tell you what, if the God of the, that burned Achan or sent Nadab in the bayou, hold just a minute, God didn't tell Achan to steal the tithe. Achan stole the tithe. There's all kinds of disobedient, rebellious Christians. And what does God want us to do? Shall I call down fire, James and John, to Jesus? Don't you know what spirit you're of yet? Yeah, but God doesn't want to be glorified for the yeah, buts of the Sodom and Gomorrahs, the Nadab and Abihu's, the, 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 the people that, that had an, a terrible ending. And the scripture does say a curse causeless shall not come. If someone's in trouble, it's a very good possibility they got themselves there. And if they're there, I want you to know that God's there with you in trouble to lead you out. So here's the, here's the connection point between God speaking of himself. God is speaking of himself so that we will understand when we're speaking of him and we want to give him glory, let's follow his lead. He wants to be glorified and known for his mercy. He wants to be glorified and known for his long-suffering. He wants to be glorified and known for his loving kindness. He wants to be glorified and known for all of these things, and, and they're... When, when you exhaust that, I think your life will be over. <laughs> there, there is, is there anything else? See, getting practical, God forgives sin. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. What was Moses' response? 
he fell down in worship. Would you come and help me? Just let's see if we can uh, just thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. So what's the basis for March gladness? The basis for being glad is this truth. The Lord. The Lord God. Merciful. Gracious. Abundant in mercy. Abundant in goodness and truth. Keeping mercy for thousands of thousands. Forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sins. He's expanding this for Moses. And will by no means... Uh, that would by no means be cleared of guilt. Now, I'll, I'll, take, I'll take you through a little uh, textual criticism in one of these weeks. But uh, in fact, someone mentioned it here. Uh, Kathy, Mr. Simmons' translation or the message. God, in the last days in which we are living, the Lord told Daniel in chapter 12 that in the last days the books would be open. Now, that's not just books of you know, Santa Claus is marking down every sin and you're not going to get your presents. God is jealous for our love. He's not jealous to smack a, a, a disobedient a lover. He's jealous because he wants relationship. And someone mentioned uh, Mr. Simmons is doing the passion. And then there's the message. The Amplified Bible in the 70s, when I started reading the Bible, I couldn't understand all that King James English. I bought an Amplified. I thought, oh, God, at least I can understand it. The bad thing is they use so many words, it's going to take twice as long to read the Bible. <laughs> and it did. But I got through it. I started, oh, I see. I was talking to a Christian yesterday. I said, yeah, what can I take to go to sleep? He says, Chronicles. I said, what kind of, what kind of, med <laughs> what, what kind of medicine is that? He said, just start reading the Bible. When you get through those names, you'll fall asleep. <laughs> that is a good word, brother. But we're talking about a real God that loves real people. And the message for us today is that there's nothing that God can't handle. Will you stand to me, with me? Would you just thank the Lord? You guys got a song? Thanks for listening to a recent message by Senior Pastor Tim Winter. Please visit eaglesnestchurch.net for more information.